0: Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZFB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday. It's the weekend, baby. Uh, The economy. Jack's noticed that it might be in a bit of trouble. Uh, Jason Pine is talking about the 1987 World Cup for some reason. Uh, We'll talk to the other member of Maroon 5, not the one everybody else normally talks to, and um, Eleanor Ford is a foodie who's gone on a spice trail. But before any of that, uh, oh, yeah, there was an election over the weekend that yeah, was relatively interesting, wasn't it?
1: How big a win was this, and does it is it big enough so Albo can get his policies, what mm-hmm. he wants to do, implemented? Uh, well, we have 151 seats in the House uh, of Representatives, the lower house. We have two houses, unlike New Zealand, two houses. Uh, the one that matters is, of course, the House of Reps. There are 151 seats. You need a... 76 seats for a majority. Labour at the moment has 72 on the counting as it stands. Mm. The outgoing coalition has 50. There are three Greens. There are 12 independents now, and there are 14 seats still undecided. So Labour still needs to get, from those 14, it still needs to get uh, four seats to get a majority. Uh, if it doesn't, it's a hung parliament. Uh, they govern in minority. What that means is that Labor would need to assure the Governor-General that they have the numbers on the House in the House yep. for confidence and supply. It'll be hoping to get this from the Greens without making any policy concessions to the Greens on, say, climate or inequality, yep. or from one of the other two independents who have been re-elected. That means it won't need any of the other new independents, the so-called green or teal independents, women representing formerly liberal electorates, where issues of climate change and integrity came to the fore. So we just have to yeah. wait and see. I don't think we'll have to wait very long. Yeah. Uh, the chances are Labour will get the 76, oh. uh, and then it will govern its own. And then, in terms of getting a program through, Tim, mm. you've got to deal with the Senate in Australia, and the Senate is not controlled by the government. It hasn't been controlled by the government, whoever the government's been for quite a while. Yeah. And it's very likely the Greens will have the balance of power in the Senate. There'll be a number of them, large number of them, and they'll have to negotiate with, this, with the Greens in the Senate and perhaps with other minor parties in the Senate. Yeah. You need to pass both houses in order to get legislation through.
0: Yeah, so Australia's finally turning green. Who ever thought that this would happen? um they well i mean they've, they've been green and gold always haven't they so it's good that there's, there's some actual green stuff going on i suppose um meanwhile back here the economy uh, looks grim uh, jack Tame's been having a look at it he's feeling
2: grim i think but it's true that we used to take far greater steps in order to protect lives we had a lower tolerance for infections and death. If we were playing the silly binary game today, you couldn't argue that New Zealand isn't prioritising the economy over doing everything possible to save lives. We've flipped, right? We've crossed the threshold. And I have a similar nagging feeling to the one that I had in the early stages of the pandemic. I wonder if you have it too. We can do what we can to try and, soften the landing, but it's still going to hurt. Unfortunately, when you look at our economic position, when you look at inflation, the growth projections, interest rates, we have been delaying the inevitable. That's how I felt for the first 18 months of this pandemic. Although this time it isn't COVID cases, this time it's economic pain. And unfortunately for New Zealand, I fear the worst is still to come. Of course, this is something that
0: a lot of commentators have been uh, warning us of, but some, somehow I feel like Jack Tame's more of your happy-go-lucky optimist kind of guy, and when he says those sorts of things, it's just that little bit more depressing. So that's nice, isn't it? Um, I think Jason Pines has just, just decided to not take any notice of reality at all, and he's just reminiscing about the 1987 World Cup for some reason.
3: Terrific quarterfinal between France and Fiji at Eden Park. Fijian full-back Severo Duandua running with the ball in one hand with the try line open and somehow having it slip from his grasp like a cake of soap. Zimbabwean centre, Richard Zimba scoring a try with a spectacular dive in one of the pool games and doing some damage to his shoulder in the process. I sat at Athletic Park and watched an absolutely terrible game of rugby between Wales and Ireland. Sat shivering in the Millard stand, hoping something exciting would happen, and it never did. And even the third-place match, Australia-Wales in Rotorua, David Cody, the mulleted Wallabies Lucy, sent off in the first few minutes, and then Paul Thorburn landing a last-minute conversion to give Wales a one-point win. I didn't have to look any of that up. It all just sits there in my memory banks, ready to be recalled on days like this. And that, to me, is one of the beauties of sport, that the smallest details and the most significant moments remain embedded in your brain long, long after they happened. And I hope they're still there 35 years from now I know it's not real life It's only sport But it must be important, right? Otherwise Why would it take up so much room in my brain?
0: Oh geez, that's profound That's a little bit of self-analysis from Piney there It's not something you hear every day um, Next week Imagine what happens when he realises That it is not important But it is still taking up space in his brain it's going to be exciting Hey uh, PJ Morton Come on, PJ Moore, you know, what do you mean that you don't know that he's a member of Maroon 5? It's not just all Adam Levine, you know. Can you kind of pick up the phone and call anyone and get them um, to come and collaborate with you?
4: You know, I don't know about anyone. It, it seems that way when you can go to Stevie, but, uh, it's, you know, Stevie and I have developed a relationship for for many years. But I don't know, that was always my top. So I guess if I can get to Stevie, I maybe can get to anyone. I don't know, I haven't tried. We'll see. Cause you've actually got a lot
0: of amazing collaborations on this album. How does it work? Do you do you say to them, Hey, look, come in and collaborate or do you or is it more that you've got something in mind you want them to do? How does it work?
4: Yeah, I think it's the producer in me that wants to hear what I can do with other voices, but I I tend to not think of other voices when I'm creating the song because a lot of the times you can use that as a crutch, you know, like I have this huge name on it, so I know they'll make the song good enough, but I like to know that the song stands on its own. And then I start to put on those producer ears, like, who could I have on this song once it once it's already there? And uh that's what happened on all these cases. And man, they 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 fitted so perfectly and brought uh brought all these songs to another level.
0: And do people surprise you with what they bring to the song?
4: Yeah, I mean, always. I think that's why the greats are the greats. I mean, with Nas on Be Like Water, I knew that he was gonna be Nas. I didn't know exactly what he was gonna say. But when he did, I'm like, of course. I mean, you you know, you're, this is Nas, this is what he does. And and Stevie, um, I already felt like when I wrote it, it had a Stevie vibe to it already. Um, so I just knew exactly where he would fit on it and it just just completed it. you think I should
0: bring on somebody to collaborate with me on this? Or do you like, I sometimes wonder if I work too much just by myself in my own bubble. But I mean, you're here. We're sort of doing it together, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it as it is. Uh, Meanwhile, Anna Ford, she's been following various different spice trails for her new cookbook. I don't know what that means.
2: Could you just start us off by giving us a bit of a concept behind the nutmeg trail? Because it isn't your standard cookbook or your standard recipe book. You've tried to do something a little richer.
5: Well, what I wanted to do is write a book about spice, which has got such a rich vein of not only recipes, but stories as well. So on the one hand, I wanted to show how to use spices to their full effect, how to layer them and blend them to create really exciting food, but also to delve into the history of spice, into their flavor profiles, into um, as much context as I could around these incredible ingredients.
2: Tell us a little bit more about the history, because I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard about the spice trail and about, you know, the ways in which, um, particularly European colonial countries, used spices as they, you know, looked to um, assert their dominance around the world. But what surprised you about the history of spice? Well,
5: certainly, there's this bloody colourful, bold period in the sort of 16th, 17th centuries where Europe got into the fray, but Spice's story goes back so much further than that. The Spice Trails, the maritime trading routes across the Indian Ocean, were laid 4,000 years ago. And for millennia, it was a very peaceful trade and it really brought countries around the world together. Because and to lay the paths for globalization, as spice was one of the first products that was traded internationally.
3: Of
0: course, it's then resulted ultimately in being the downfall of many meals I've tried to cook over the years because I've added too much spice to them. You know how you get carried away sometimes—you add a dash of this and a bit of that—and then before you know it, it's just all you can taste is, or well, you can't taste anything at all. It just tastes like everything. Ha uh, I'm Glenn ZB um bringing putting some spice in your life and um I'll be spicing things up for you again tomorrow see you then